Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-hosts, Danny Curran and John Reggio, my name is Nick Chickalese, and we're coming to you here live every Wednesday from 7 to 8.30 on WXVU 89.1 The Roar, or wherever and whenever you get your podcasts. And gentlemen, we begin today's show, of course, by covering the NBA playoffs, which are uh, in full swing now. With uh, every first-round series seeing uh, at least one game, most of them seeing two games already, and uh, the play-in tournament complete, uh, we haven't been—we've been off the air now for two weeks. So just uh, really quickly, want to run through any big surprises so far early on in the postseason or with the play-in tournament. Obviously, um, the Cavs uh, getting beaten out by the Hawks. There was a nine-eight upset. Same with the Pelicans beating out the Clippers. But uh, personally, once Paul George was ruled out against the. Um, Pelicans that wasn't really an upset to me anymore. I uh, was kind of surprised with how well the Pelicans um, have been playing. I mean, obviously uh, beating down on the Spur- beating down on the Spurs, and then going on the road. I get it; the Clippers were without Paul George, but I still believe the Clippers were favored. Beating them, and then taking care of business last night against the uh, presumed favorite to win the uh, NBA Finals, the Suns, going on the road and beating them. So. Pelicans are clearly playing for good basketball. I think they got a pretty solid record ever since they traded for C.J. McCollum. But uh, I think the key for them is just, I guess, containing Devin Booker. But now that he's got this. Yeah, now he's he's out indefinitely, unlikely to play in games three or four. Um, they got to keep Brandon Ingram going. Got to keep uh, McCollum going. Uh, what's his name? Valanchunas or whatever. Yeah, Jonas Valanchunas. Yeah, he's been he's been giving them some solid minutes. Yeah. So. Larry Nance also came over in the McCollum oh, yeah. trade. He's been good. So maybe uh, I, I think. According to the Pelicans, I don't know what the chances are that Zion will play this year. I mean, I don't think he's going to play this series. They would have to be a pretty big upset, get past the Suns, for them to move on to the next round. But if they can get Zion back at any time, they – I mean, I feel like the Pelicans aren't a team you want to see in the West, but once again, doubtful that yeah. he comes back uh, for this series. But overall, first two games are pretty entertaining. You know, the Suns, you know, kind of dominated game one. Pelicans came back a little there at the end. But uh, – that series is one that I feel like most people considered a sweep or maybe, at, at, at worst, Suns in five. Now with the Booker injury, things got a lot more interesting. Besides that, playoffs so far have been pretty entertaining. I feel like the uh, two series that people are looking forward to the most are in the East, and that's Celtics. And in the West, uh, you got Timberwolves, Grizzlies. A lot of people are picking the Timberwolves to upset the Grizzlies, not giving the number two-seeded Grizzlies the respect they deserve. I was listening to a uh, – when I was listening to the broadcast for game one of the uh, – Timberwolves, Grizzlies, Richard Jefferson, the former Cleveland Cavalier, said a lot of people are taking the Grizzlies as a sleeper team to win the NBA championship. Never heard of a sleeper uh, two seed. team, not only two seed, but second best record in the, in the league. So, yeah, it's yeah, rather interesting. But what are your guys' thoughts so far on the playoffs? Yeah, one thing that's kind of surprised me is just how bad the Toronto Raptors are looking against <laughs> the 76ers. I mean, it's a 4-5 matchup. You would think that it's a little bit more competitive than we've seen so far, but I don't think there's been a point in any of the games that the Raptors look like they've even had a chance against the Sixers. I mean, and, and they kind of got blown out in Game 2, but in Game 1 they, they they almost staged a couple comebacks, but it was never really within five points where, or anything comfortable with that. Are you giving me surprise looks, Nicholas? Um, yeah, so uh, Shams... Breaking news here. Shams just tweeted that uh, Villanova's Jay Wright is seriously contemplating retirement this offseason. So uh, I'm going to cut you off uh, about the Clippers it's, it's here. Not, it's not April April 1st. Wait, what? Right? It's not April, it is not April 1st. This is a real tweet from Shams. Just in. 
Uh, this was tweeted two minutes ago. Justin J. Wright, one of basketball's iconic coaches and Hall of Famer, is seriously contemplating retirement this offseason. Wright is 60 years old, is meeting with his family, and making a final decision soon. Um, well, I just got this um, oh, literally yeah, 30 seconds that. ago. Um, wow. First of all, uh, I don't think Jay really gave any indication that he was considering this to be his final season. Um, but obviously we all hope it's not. Now that Coach K has retired, I don't think anyone's going to really argue with me that he's the current best coach in the country. Um, I don't – I wow. This is a complete and total shock to me. We, uh, uh, If this is – I mean, Jay's been here forever. But uh, at 60 for a coach – you don't really think about that as retirement age. I know they just had a, like a really impressive March run, winning the biggest tournament and making it to the Final Four. But uh, wow, what do you? <laughs> you guys are getting this just the same as I am right now. What do you think? I don't think he's retiring. I don't. I don't know who the hell Shams is, but I don't trust him. He's uh, the like top NBA insider for um, Bleacher Report. And yeah, John no, John Rothstein him. tweeted like a couple seconds ago. Jay Wright is expected to step down at Villanova. Whoa! John Rothstein tweeted that. John Roth, yeah, literally one minute ago. Ah. I, my like, we're getting initial reactions here, and mine is just kind of incredulous. Um, I don't really think that this was precedented in any way, because you know Jay Wright, he he seems like as energetic as he's ever been. He's not, like, slowing down like Coach K and Roy Williams are. Like, he seems like he's out there. But um, this is it's kind of hard to believe, honestly. Seriously. Seriously contemplating retirement. <laughs> Jay Wright retired before the Lakers rumors started. Uh, <laughs> that's a good tweet. But um, obviously, if it's true, we'll miss him severely. He is taking a little – College basketball program on the main line elevated them to a national powerhouse, uh, two national championships, four Final Fours. But gosh golly, uh, I am really surprised that this is even me retiring. I, a second tweet from Shams. Jay Wright is likely retiring of the head coach of Villanova soon, sources said, and that means his succession pat plan is in order for the university. Now, does soon mean this offseason? Soon does not mean necessarily this offseason. Or is it like final year this year upcoming? I guess we don't know. I don't know. we got to wait for this to be We're just, yeah, I mean, we're just working off of some tweets right now. Yeah, but these aren't, this isn't like our friend's fake burner account. These are legitimate verified insiders for both the NBA and college basketball. So there's definitely some likes to this. We will circle back to this story later in the show as it develops a little bit because we are just sitting here speculating right now. But um, this is some real breaking news, obviously, for everyone that goes to the school and follows this basketball team. This is uh, maybe the worst thing I, you could have opened your phone and seen right now. But uh, trying putting that to the side yeah, for so, a second. Yeah, I mean, we'll try to get back to this in an hour and see, yeah, see what Yeah, see what happens. We'll, we'll follow along with you at home now. But uh, just trying to get back to the NBA. Um, yeah, the playing games, I mean, I, I think something that's, like, really funny to me is that the Hornets in their practice facility hung up, like, the, the box score from when they played the Pacers last year and got run out of the gym. <laughs> and then immediately in this year's playing game, uh, get run out of the gym. Um, by just a, and Trey Young was terrible in that first half, too. I, I can't believe how much the Hawks won by with Trey Young basically playing one half of basketball. Um, but... 
Yeah, I, I give credit to the Hawks. The Cavs kind of came undone towards the end of the season. I think like, injuries really started to catch up with them, and they lost steam. But an uh, impressive season for the young Cavaliers. Yeah, the Cavs have a lot to look forward to going into the upcoming seasons. I mean, Darius Garland just completely broke out. He was an all-star this year, and you know you could you could think of him in the staple and there as a staple in their rotation to come. Jared Allen, I can't say I can't give much more praise about him. He's just one of the most underrated centers in the league right now. And aside from them, they've just got I mean Evan Mobley too. I, I think they've just got a lot to look forward to in, in Cleveland over there. So yeah. it's not like bringing in LeBron for one year and then kind of just. Jumping ship after that, after you win mm-hmm. the championship, yeah. so you've got a legitimate contender for years to come, mm-hmm. maybe if they play their cards right. If they play their cards right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, the biggest surprise to me so far in this postseason is Jalen Brunson um, scoring forty-one yeah, no, he, points. He, he's he uh, it's it's confirmed. God damn, I just uh, it's not confirmed on Twitter. But Rothstein just tweeted that Kyle Neptune is expected to be the successor. Yeah, from Fordham, and he was, a pre- uh, he was previously yeah. under in the Villanova system. Yes. Jay Wright tweeted this after this afternoon. Join us for brunch. Um, he better speak at our graduation, or something. Jesus. Wow, Jay. that's a, yeah, that's insane. Um. Yes, all are welcome to join us at the pre-banquet memorial mass tomorrow. <laughs> Jay, <laughs> uh, an update here would be nice. Um. Yeah, let's. Let's until we get some sort of more concrete. I mean, I do trust Rothstein, but let's wait until yeah. we. He's retiring. He's done. He's done. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Villanova coach Jay Wright has called a team meeting to inform players that he will be retiring. Yeah, even Ian Rapoport is tweeting about it. Like, dude, you're an NFL insider. So Kyle Neptune really went to Fordham for one year, and <laughs> now he's coming back. I wonder. I wonder if this was like a thing in the books. Then, if Jay was like, "Listen, Kyle, you've been great under me. We need you to get some actual like coaching, like head coaching experience before you come and take over this program. So go give it a year at Fordham and see what happens." But, I mean, what? I, I we we can't we can't like just continue with the NBA. Yeah, to, uh, to, to table the NBA. Like table, no, it, like, table it for fifteen minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, trying to memorialize like this, like literally, he took like Villanova was. I, I, I mean, obviously had the '85 title, but that is one of the most. That's probably the second most improbable March Madness run behind uh, Jimmy V and U, uh, NC State. Eight seed beating the powerhouse Georgetown team, but the, Villanova's. It's a, it's a national brand. It is a national powerhouse. You can argue about blue blood or no blue blood, fine, but you cannot argue that they are year in and year out one of the best programs in the country. For the last however many years, and that's really because of him. And uh, yeah, I mean, in, in '85, I think we were more like you can compare us to Loyola, Chicago. Obviously, like a better program historically than Loyola, but mm-hmm. it's just like one eight seed to just make a miraculous run and then kind of win it. But under Jay Wright, since 2001, when he started coaching at this school, he just completely cemented Villanova as one of the top programs, arguable blue blood. Um, and we've just been dominating the the uh, Big East since. So. Danny, you can go ahead. I'm, I'm just, just trying to gather everything. Where did you guys everything. see this uh, Kyle Neptune respect award? Uh, Rothstein tweeted it. Yeah, Rothstein yeah. tweeted it. I'm refreshing the college basketball. Yeah, I'm just... Refresh, 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 refresh. But, yeah, I mean, he's just one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. Period. You, Like, what can you realistically, like, stretch him out to? Top 15 at the, at the worst? Mm. He's... Just one of the classiest coaches that come through all of NCAA basketball. Um, and basketball in general. I mean, he was on 
the gold medal winning uh, Olympic team as a as a head coach. He's sent plenty of players to the NBA, um, all who have had not terribly um, star like terrific careers except for Kyle, Kyle Lowry, Lowry. But I mean, plenty of young guys blooming right now. You yep. see Sadiq Bay. You see McCall Bridges. Yeah. Who's you see Villanova player player of the year yeah. uh, finalist this yeah. year. Villanova players in the NBA. Uh, you always see their motor. You always see how well they know the game, and that that's that's a lot of him. There were only two players who started every game for their teams this year, and it was Sadiq Bay and Mikael Bridges, and they both obviously went here. And um, he, I think, I think he's the best coach in the country, one of the best ever at taking guys and developing them and making them much better players when they lead, when they're upperclassmen than when they're underclassmen, and when they go to the NBA, they are much, much, much better players than. Uh, if guys who stay extra years are become much better NBA players if they rather would have become one and dones. So, um I mean everyone talk every player talks so glowingly about him and the impact that he makes on them and uh the whole attitude thing, um that's him. The ad- attitude thing is him and that that's a culture I think that's gonna survive him. I think um with this I mean, bring back a long time former assistant, former player here too. You're going to really keep a lot of that attitude culture alive, I think. And you're going to have a pretty experienced team, so have that too. But, man, oh, man, you, you can't replace that experience, that leadership that he brings, that, like, cool sense of calm that, that Jay Wright just has. I mean, obviously he's fired up screaming at the officials, but he just has, like, that aura of calm around him during the game. And Villanova players, that, that really rates on the players. You never see a Nova player really get nervous and freak out and make silly mistakes down the stretch. I mean, sometimes, yeah, they turn the ball over, but it's not like the moment's too... The moment has never been too big for a Villanova player under Jay Wright, which is just a huge accomplishment. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't believe... I'm stunned, if you if you can't tell. I'm shocked. This is completely out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's almost hard to contextualize just with everything we've been through in, in the past couple of years and now uh, it all leading up to this. But Villanova is honestly one of the... It's one of the few programs I think that are left in the country with like a true culture. I mean, you have you have a lot of the big blue blood teams with players coming and going, and it's hard to just like establish something. But Jay Wright, like you were saying, Nick, completely like Im- imbues these values in the players. Like attitude, like you can say it like a meme. You can like joke around about, oh, we got attitude, but I mean, it's true. And there's only one. It's like one of the few reasons why we're winning every year without like any significant five stars like sorry Brian Antoine sorry Jelly JQ <laughs> but um well Brunson was a five star Brunson was a five star too but I mean so was Spellman so was Spellman yeah, yeah. So was but, but but I mean but was J- Jerry was a five star yeah. yeah he was but I mean you've got you've got guys always coming up and like filling these big roles that you know what was Colin was he a three star was he even that yeah, he was a three star and you've got like uh, I'm sure Jermaine wasn't a five star but you've got these guys coming through and just becoming Greater human beings under Jay Wright, I think, and that's, that's kind of what Jake what he's left yeah. with the program. And I I hope that Kyle Neptune can kind of yeah. pick up the reins that he left there and uh, continue to do the good things that Jay Wright started. Neptune did do very very well in his first year at Fordham. They obviously were a program in complete turmoil. I, mean, I don't know the last time they made the tournament. And about like halfway through the year, they lost their best player due to some academic issue or off the court issue, and. They stayed afloat in the A-10. I think they finished somewhere around 500. So Kyle Neptune had been uh, Jay Wright's top assistant. So obviously it's impossible to replace a coach uh, the caliber of Jay Wright. But 
I feel Nova fans should still be optimistic about the future. I, I feel the program's in good hands with Cal Neptune, so uh, I think it's important not to be too down in the dumps. Yeah. But I'm interested to see, because I know, like, after Villanova won in 2018, there was a lot of talk about him potentially going to the Sixers. He said he wanted to be at Villanova forever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just interested. I mean, I he's 60 years old, so I just want to know why exactly. I mean, he seems like he's loved his time at Villanova. Yeah, I mean, what was the rumor that he turned down, like, was it UCLA, UCLA job, tra- offered right? to like double his pay, and he said no, thank you. I mean, yeah, and th- this this the tweet school, here says that this here says that if Jay Wright retwi- retires from Villanova, he has no intention of leaving the coach in the NBA, which I think is, which is kind of to your point. Um, he's had these opportunities in the past, obviously a uh, tier coach, and uh, I'm sure any NBA team would be happy to pick him up, but he, that's just not the route that he wants to go down. No. And if you think about the culture that he's brought to this school, I mean, you can't really get that in an no, NBA you, team. No, you're not going to get not close attitude. No. Like you're, you're not going to get guys, like, not complaining about fouls, like all those extra passes in the NBA. And it doesn't really – it doesn't work that well in the NBA, but, like, you're not never going to get those guys to strip down their egos like that. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, this is – wow. I mean – we probably have like what seven? We probably have like seventy hours cumulative on the show, and this is the first time I've ever been speechless. Wow, wowie, wowie! And I was when we were starting the show, I was like, yeah, it's kind of a kind of light on content today. I don't know. Uh, we'll spend a while on the NFL draft, I guess. But yeah, I mean, wow. you got the, the slow start to the long baseball season. You got yeah. the NBA playoffs just starting, and yeah. hockey playoffs haven't yeah. started. And I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll spend a while on the NFL draft, and holy. Holy um, language! I'm not allowed to say. Yeah, and as we move through the th- as we move through the show, if there's any other um, tidbits of news about this that we get, we'll be sure to communicate it as we can. I just want to know, like, how this all came about. Like, the players know about it. Like, he's tweeting yesterday, "Come join our team for mass." At he's five he's tweeting not, not even yesterday, noon today. Come join. Come join us for mass. All are welcome tomorrow. Yeah, and you can't. I mean, it's obviously not an impulse decision that he no. made to do this. So, um, yeah, um, whatever decision he officially <laughs> Jim Beheim outlasted Jay Wright. <laughs> oh my God, how was that love? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so um, I don't know how much more there is to be said right now about about this topic, but um. You guys want to move back to the NBA playoffs? I, uh, any, you guys have anything else to say? I mean, like, I guess thank you for a great. Yeah, thank you, yeah, Jay. Obviously, hashtag thank you, Jay. Thank you for everything you've done. Mm. If you're yeah. tuning in right now, listening to I, these reactions I, I, on Villanova Radio, I highly doubt it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, he, I know he went out on top. Obviously, not in the winning a championship, but he went out. I will, argue, I will argue anyone anywhere on this. When he retired, he was the best coach in the country. So. Um, uh, probably. And I hope he enjoys retirement. He's definitely earned it. It's time with his family. Um, his kids are all grown up, I think. So time with them. And wow, 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 wow. All right. Uh, try and do the impossible now and put all that behind us. Um, a, a good one of the Jay Wright's arguably best players ever coached here, Jalen Brunson. Well, I was uh, mentioning before, had a career high. In game two, uh, 41 points, the most he's ever had in a game, let alone a playoff game, uh, to guide the Mavericks to a win, to even up the series. Um, obviously, 
You're missing Luka Doncic, uh, one of the best players in the NBA, the best player on the team by not even not even close best player on the team. If he was playing, he'd be the best player in the series by a big, big margin. So um, for the Mavs to stay afloat here and win a game with Luka Hurt. Mavs are good basketball they're, they're I mean, they, they really stepped up. I It took... It took two players having the best games of their careers <laughs> to, to win at while at home. While um, I, I don't know if go, like while now, how long is Doncic out? Is he returning? so he's uh, he was just upgraded from doubtful to questionable for tomorrow. Um, personally, I think he's gonna personally going into the series. I thought he's gonna miss the first two games and come back for game three. The fact that they were able to win one of these games at home, the fact honestly, I thought those two games would be blowouts. Thought the Jazz would win by a lot. Um, but I got to give a lot of credit to the Mavs on the defensive end of the floor. They are really just making life difficult for the Jazz. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, it hasn't really affected him at all, but Donovan Mitchell was terrible in the first half of game one. He was he was putrid, and I think the Jazz made one three in the first half of game one after leading the NBA in, th- in made threes during the regular season. So the Mavs' defense has been really good. Um, boxing out, obviously, against Gobert is a big challenge, but they've done a pretty good job. Mm. He still and pulled down 17 yeah, boards, I, I think, think so, in the second game. It's, he's he's going to get a lot of rebounds. Yeah, it's, there's only so much you can do against a guy like that. And uh, But he offensively, he hasn't really done a lot. And uh, the Jazz have gone cold for long stretches of games so far. And they just, they've just found a way. And that's all you need to do. And if your superstar comes back and is anything like... He normally is. I think the Mavericks are going to win this series pretty easily. Uh, they're mu- with Luka playing, they're a much better team than the Jazz. They've been one of the better teams in the league um, since acquiring Dinwiddie and Luka really rounding into form in the second half. First half was wasn't even bad. He was just just not Luka like. So I I was I can't put into words how impressed I was. Jalen Brunson he was scoring from all three levels in the first quarter. It was making it rain from three, and then the really familiar Villanova dribble drive. Uh, jump stop, score from uh, anywhere around the rim, despite being six one and having the Eiffel Tower Rudy Gobert uh, patrolling the paint, still finding a way to get at and score. And Maxi Kleba, who I has <laughs> just uh, one of the most frustrating players in the league to watch, eight of eleven from three, uh, twenty five points. Uh, so that was uh, they found a way to win. I was very impressed with Brunson specifically. So that would be my biggest surprise so far. Hmm. Uh, but obviously, the series that I'm most excited for, I think we all are, is Celtics Nets. Yeah, I think uh, it's like it was nine nothing. Uh, no, it's eleven points. Uh, Nets. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Celtics Nets, especially with Simmons coming back, that's just an potentially coming back. Yep. Another element that because I know uh, a lot of people in the Philadelphia area are not too fond of Ben Simmons, but I personally think um, when he's on the basketball court, and you know the NBA is not keeping up with the Kardashians off the court, and it's Comedy Central, Drama Queen. He's actually playing basketball. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's probably the best defensive basketball player on planet Earth. And I think he is potentially the difference that makes the Nets the favorite in the Eastern Conference. I get it. The Bucks. you got Giannis Acumpo and uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton. they got a nice team. But... I think if the Nets have the big three of Kyrie, KD, and Simmons, they're the favorite in the East. Simmons can lock down your best player. He will, I, I presume he will guard Giannis if they do uh, get, get past the Celtics and then uh, end up playing the Bucs. But I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons, and I'm interested to see how he fits, fits in with the, uh, with the Nets team. 
Yeah, a big thing about the Nets that you that you hear a lot about this team is the the defensive struggles that they can have sometimes. And I mean, you saw it in the first game with the game winning layup on Tatum. Just it seems like he just walked by everyone to, to score that ball in one of the most dire situations for the Nets. Uh, they just couldn't put the clamps on him. So I agree. I mean, I I don't agree with you about everything about Ben Simmons because I do not like him at all. But he he is a defensive player of the year, and, and it's kind of for a good reason. He he does put the clamps on people. It's just like obviously his offense, where a lot of the commentary about him comes from. Yeah. So if he is on the floor, I don't know who he would guard. I guess I guess Giannis. I mean, I feel like that you have to put him on or Middleton. No, because but Giannis is just big. I don't know. I mean, nobody Not, on the Nets is stopping. It's true. Yeah, that, no, that is no true. Way. Well, it's, it's hard. Who on any team is going to stop Giannis? Giannis, <laughs> yeah. Giannis sucks. I hate him. Um, <laughs> he's I, he's the best player in the NBA. I, I, he sucks. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he's the best player in the league. The NBA is so soft. The way they call the games, he can literally just put his head down and drive in a straight line, run into people, fall off balance, chuck something off the backboard and get a foul, and then take 14 seconds to shoot a free throw. So I hate watching Giannis. I think he seems like a very nice person, seems very funny. I do respect him because he plays in every game, and he does play hard on defense. But some of our other friends just think he's – Specifically, Kevin Rouse think he is so like is too too much of a Giannis fan that he has made me hate him, despise him with a burning passion. Um, like I, if Giannis played during the Shaquille O'Neal Shaquille O'Neal era, Shaq would dominate. Like that's Giannis he can't shoot at all. I don't want to hear his mid-range percentage, uh, defensive efficiency, blah blah blah, computer, blah blah blah, all the computer stats that love Giannis. No, I do not think he's the best player in the world. He can't shoot. The game's called. Proper way, Giannis when he puts his head down, just chucks Dad, something off the back, falling off balance. Daddy, That's not a you, you can't say he he can't shoot, and then also say I don't care about his mid range shooting percentage. The, those That's these are odds that you said. I don't care, Giannis. He, <laughs> he's been one of the best. He's been really really good from mid range this year. Yeah, I watched him airball like four threes. Okay, he's he's gonna miss some threes. Every he can't class shoot, all right, threes. He can't shoot threes. There you go. That I will give you. But he can shoot. He, he can shoot. He can. He's um, his mid range game has come a long way. He's a great mid range scorer now. It's just frustrating watching him because he's so athletic and he's so tall that he's just at such an advantage. Well, he's, he's not very skilled. Okay? That's all I got to say. <laughs> so he's this like is a combo birth a great son. So he's like After a he's like a Ty- Tyreek Hill of the NBA, you would say. It's like physical ability, not I skill. I guess, yeah, that's a I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I I hate that with Giannis though because when Sha- Shaq played, no one ever said, "Oh yeah, this guy, like yeah, he's he's scoring thirty points a game and getting fifteen rebounds," but he's he's not skilled. Who cares? He's he's so dominant. Who cares that he's not skilled? Quote unquote. Like, just I. Uh, I think he's the best player in the world. I I was big on the Durant train for a while, but Giannis is just such a better defender. And Katie's a cupcake. Yeah. Um, I'll never respect Kevin Durant. Um, and he's a mental midget, getting in fights with people on Instagram and Twitter. What a bum! It's not Kyrie's fault that they lost the game on Sunday. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant blew his. Well, both of those two are yelling at the fans all game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Kyrie, they're, 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 Nets are just. Katie does that to everybody, though. He just and no, that is true. That is true. But Nets are tough to root for, but they really are. Yeah. Bruce Brown, nine. But unfortunately, right Harden leaving has made me like I have to root for them to come out of here. That or Jimmy Butler. Bruce Brown has twelve of the Nets, eighteen right now. I'm trying to put the game on my computer. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's not working. Yeah. When did they say that Simmons p- could potentially return? They're, they're game saying four? game four is likely. Game three is possible. Yeah, what I I guess that depends a lot on, on the how the series is shaping up and if yeah. they need him. Like if they're down three zero, eventually, like yeah. they're obviously going to rush Ben Simmons back. Yeah. 
Well, but if they lose this game, I would assume they rush them back for game three. Don't yeah, know. yeah, that's true. But um, we're assuming a lot. We're assuming that Brooklyn wins and, and Milwaukee wins. Yep. Uh, and they face each other. I I think but, um, Milwaukee winning is a safe bet. The the Bulls like that Bucks game did, one was their chance. Yeah, the Bucks did not deserve to win that game on uh, Sunday. Bulls lost it more than the Bucks won it. But uh, I just want to say, Jay Wright uh, handpicked Kyle Neptune as the next head coach. So that gives any Villanova fans some confidence heading into next season. It's handpicked by Jay. So Kyle Neptune, is, as I said, has been his top assistant for a while now. I feel like we got to be confident in, in him to keep the program going. Uh, I think one of the big keys is keeping Cam Whitmore and keeping the upcoming recruiting classes. Got to keep them intact. Can't have any decommitments. But um, huh. it might take some time for uh, Kyle Neptune to get his feet wet and become Jay Wright 2.0. Yeah, decommitments are kind of a scary thing to bring up right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, But, yeah, I just wanted to add that note. No, that's, that's very valid. But, um, again, about the Chicago Bulls, they're a very good team. But they just seem a little bit outclassed. I kind of agree with you. Um, Giannis is very hard to stop, whether it be from his skill or from his physical ability or a combination of both. And uh, we saw it in the playoffs last season. He could kind of just take over games at some point. And uh, if you have a guy like that, it's obviously hard to beat him. And the the Celtics do look good. Uh, they do. Daniel Tice should not be a starting center in the playoffs, but that is unfortunately the the situation that we see ourselves in right now. And I I think that that series I wouldn't be very surprised if Boston comes away in the end. However, the Brooklyn Nets uh, they're showing very good things right now in the game, up twenty one to ten um, from my feed, and it's definitely one to watch. But um, as a side to the other series, uh, I was talking about the Sixers in Toronto, and Toronto just doesn't look like they can match up with anyone on the Sixers for some reason right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, the some of these matchups are just like let's get to the next round. I know it's, it's like kind of that series right now is kind of just hand the ball to Embiid and who's going to guard him. Honestly, at this point, I mean, you guys know how I feel about my 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 big guy, my favorite player in the league, James Harden. Really, <laughs> really, at this point, all I care about in the playoffs is I'm just rooting for him to fall fat on his face. Um, <laughs> I hate that guy more than words can do. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. He Danny. is the definition of a loser human being. He is all about himself. Um, I mean, I would love nothing more than for it to be Game Seven loser next human week being. against the against the Miami Heat, and it's buckets clamping down Harden as he bricks a potential game winner and then cries. I would be hearing about that play until the day one of us went into the ground. <laughs> uh, if that happened, and I'm, not, I'm not even a Harden fan, or I don't, I don't even really, I don't dislike Jimmy Butler, but I would be hearing about that <laughs> until I am six feet under. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Harden uh, hasn't really done too much the first two games in that series. It's been the Tyrese Maxey show, but the Raptors are—they suck. I'm not even, they're not a good basketball team. So let's just skip on, move on to the next series. I mean, and then, like, in the West, Warriors look like the best basketball team yeah, of this all is, time. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Their death lineup, is quote-unquote, they finally – they've been waiting really all season for this lineup to materialize with either Clay Hurt or Steph Hurt or whoever. But Draymond Hurt. Draymond Hurt. So – But, like, I feel like people need to realize that core of Draymond, Steph, Steph. Steph and Clay, that was the best basketball team of all – I mean, I get it. The GOAT had to step in and uh, take the ring away from them. But that was the best <laughs> basketball team ever assembled. And – They're back together, and they're coming for a title. I get it. The Suns are the favorite, yeah. and the Suns look like, if Dunn Booker's healthy, they look like the best team. But yeah. 
the addition of Jordan Poole, the way he's playing, and then mm-hmm. also Andrew Wiggins started in the All Star game, and I, I get gave it. I get it. A lot of people gave him a lot of you know crap for that, but he's a great player. And yeah, yeah he's, I mean, he's really, option, he has really fourth option. Fourth, he's really struggled since the All Star break, but yeah, I mean he clearly has potential. Uh, the Warriors have also the Warriors have never lost a series in which Steph, Clay, and Draymond start every game. Never. I think they're sixteen and zero. Oh yeah, because Draymond didn't start game. Draymond uh, against the Cavs. Draymond missed a game against um, when he kicked someone. Yeah, when he yeah he well Stephen Adams right. Yeah, he well it was it was tech accumulation. He had seven techs in the playoffs. How how do you get? Se- <laughs> it's only like twenty games. How do you get seven techs? That's how you build some sort of reputation around the league. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, but I think I said it last show too, but. The Nuggets and the Jazz just feel like perennial good regular season teams, but they just, just can't. They can never do anything mm. in the playoffs. I have. A, yeah. I like. I'm convinced if you took their entire, just like the same team and put them under a different roof, like they would be able yeah. to make it to the I, finals. I think. I think situation. a big. I think a big problem is that Donovan Mitchell's game does not mesh at all with Rudy Gobert's. Uh, I mean, and that's why there's a lot of talk about them breaking up that too. Yeah. Um, I think like you you I've seen the stat. I think it's true that like Donovan Mitchell has more assists to Mike Conley than passes to Rudy Gobert this season or something. Uh, he just I would like to see Rudy Gobert play with like a true point guard. Like a guy I would like to see Donovan Mitchell play with a true big man. I'm a bigger D Mitch fan than um, Rudy Gobert. But yeah, I feel like I agree with you. They're not, they're not meant to go hand in hand. I think Gobert is not a true big man. I think he's like a definition big man. But, just yeah. like. Sit in the post and get rebounds. You mean like a you mean like a modern Don't, big like, man, like a NBA type of guy? Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's a different story. That's true. Yeah. I mean, he like obviously, uh, he's not like the prolific score. Better not the prolific scorer that most of these big men are, but he is the best rim protector in the league. Like he, it is difficult for any team, any player to score in the interior when uh, against him. And he, I mean, he could like. There's there's a point where you're just seven feet tall, seven one. You you lift your arm up, without even jumping. You're like two inches from touching the rim. Like it doesn't take uh, all. It's not all that difficult for you to catch the ball and like put it in the basket physically, and not even shoot it. Just place it in the hoop. Hmm. Um, but about that, the, more into the Jazz uh, Maverick series. I think if Luca comes back, that's going seven. Think it's going seven with Luca? Yeah. I think it depends on how healthy he is. If he is. If he comes back game three and he's even eighty percent, um, the series the Mavs will win in five games. Uh, if he t- really doesn't come back, Nicholas is so, well. You don't respect the Jazz and your brainwash. So it's I do, I mean I don't think I I've watched the I've watched like two or two games in the series. It's like wow. Like if Luca comes back, it's it's actually night and day. Like the 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 disparity in skill between these two teams. But I don't think Luca's going to come back. Luca's not going to come back one hundred percent. Even when he comes back, he's not going to be one hundred percent. Which is go- what's going to make the series more interesting. I mean, like without Luca, the Jazz are the better team. They they just are. It took two players literally having the game of their lives at the same time. Two players had the game of their lives, and the Mavs uh, scraped by a win, by uh, I think it was six points. I, I think Nicholas. I'm sorry, but I think Luca comes back. It's Mavs and or it's Jazz in seven. He doesn't come come back. It's Jazz in six. I mean, you just, did you just change your prediction despite me? Because you said <laughs> Mavs in seven the first time if Luca comes back. Oh wait, no! I said the series is going seven. Oh, um, I think the Jazz are the. Better I think that's team. what I heard. Okay, <laughs> give no. them the benefit of the doubt. I think the Jazz are the better team. Check the recording. Uh, <laughs> it should be 
I think it's I think it's gonna be a hell of a series because I think both teams are good. I think they're they're evenly matched. Luca's a great player, but I mean, you saw Jalen Brunson's not going off for forty-one with Luca on the floor. Well, no, so, he's not taking that many shots. <laughs> you saw what you, I'm just saying. You are underestimating how good the Mavs are without Luca. They have good players. So Luca is the best player, and he's a great player. But the Mavs do have very solid pieces. So Jalen Brunson is capable of that. He's a, I mean, if he gets that that volume, that volume of shots. I mean, throughout the entire regular season, he would have been an All Star. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal basketball player. He, he is very good. He's definitely the second best player. But um. I get it. You don't have uh, Hardaway, who's been hurt for a while. Hardaway's been out, uh, but when the Mavs really turned it around, it, he it was when he was out. So um, don't don't have him. Spencer Dinwiddie has been like okay so far in the through the first two games, but really Reggie Bullock shot really particularly well when Max Kleber the game of his life. Uh, uh, it's a win game too, as I keep saying. I this series is interesting because like. The Jazz are the better team without Luka, and when Luka comes back, the Mavs are the better team. So it's how much of a head start can the Jazz get? <laughs> and will the head start be enough once Luka comes back? So uh, you don't really see a series like this where it's just like the the, the anvil is just kind of kind of sitting there swinging, and it's can you get out of the way in time? Because once that anvil falls, there's only one way that result's going to end. Um, so, yeah. The, uh, but, yeah. The, uh, Aren't what? you guys giving the Timberwolves a shot to win I the am. series? I, I really am. I, I am. think I'm giving them a shot, too. Anthony Edwards is a dog. Yeah. He is. The the big three of Anthony Edwards, Cat, and who, D'Lo. Who was on the Rookie of the Year vote? They gave that to LaMelo Ball for yeah. him? Yep. Yeah, I remember that was like a pretty contentious point when that happened. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but they – but, I mean – any team that has Pat Beverly on it's always like pretty yeah. good for some reason. Yeah, and he, then like and then I mean Cat's been good for yeah. he's like just slowly improved over all of his years, even though he started great and he's just yeah. kept getting better. And then uh deloading. I mean, you get what you get out of him. He can go off for on some games, but uh I think that Edwards is the clear number two option now on that team. Yeah. I mean the Grizzlies are very young and People are like, oh, the jo- it's like John Morant, John Morant, John Morant. The, the Grizzlies are a great team. They are deep. They had seven guys scoring double figures in game two. And a lot of that was, yeah, they were blowing the Timberwolves out so bad. And, the and what was their record when – John was their official 20 record? 20 and 3 20 when and John three. Morant did not play. Show me another team in the NBA if their superstar misses 20 games, they they win 18. Like, that's – show me another team if their superstar misses 20 games, they, they win 12. That's unbelievable. It's a gr- it's a team effort. It's not the John Morant show. John Morant is obviously their best player, but it's not the John Morant show. Um, but with, with that said, this is a team full of a lot of young players, not tested so far in the postseason. They got the Timberwolves got the same way, but I I don't know. I think the Timberwolves have a real chance to win the series. I don't think the game one win was a fluke. That's I wouldn't be surprised if the Grizzlies win the next three games, but I don't think this is um, like we can skip to the next series. I think this is going to be a real dogfight. I, I, the player that really needs to step up, though, I think it, for the for the Wolves is Carl Anthony Towns. He's played, I believe, six playoff games in his career, and he has not really had a particularly great playoff performance to speak of. He, he was a monster in Game One, uh, except before that. Oh, prior to that. Prior to that, sorry. Yeah, he was a monster in Game One. That was his first big playoff performance. I think they like. Think I don't know. I I read that somewhere. That might have been a bad stat, but I I he needs to step up. He is their best player. I know Anthony Edwards, second year guy, and uh, D'Lo has been shown that he can like carry a team to the postseason. But if they're gonna take down this team, it's got to be Cat. He's got to dominate the low post. He's got to get however many rebounds, space the floor, 
all that stuff, the stuff that he's capable of. I think he probably should have been the All-Star Game starter over Andrew Wiggins, but um, he wasn't time to turn the page, and I think he has a great chance to lead his team to a series when upset over the Grizzlies. Yeah, and just props to him for sticking in Minnesota for all these years, too, since whenever he was drafted, and I think it was either 15 or 16. But uh, I think he's had plenty of opportunities to move on to just go join other superstars in the league, but he's stuck true to his uh, – his uh, team that drafted him, and he's kind of like this is his chance to kind of make it all worth it in the end. So uh, you love you love seeing that type of player coming through the league. Uh, it seems like they're getting rarer and rarer, but uh, it's nice to have right now. So hats off to him. Yeah, I mean, I agree, Nick, that he should have started in the All Star game over Andrew Wiggins. Even though I do think the criticism that Wiggins got was unnecessary. He, I think, the key to the series is you got to let your your point about Ja. I think you got to let Ja beat you. you got to let Ja get his 40, whatever he's going to score. But Desmond Bain, uh, Jackson, uh, some of their other guys, you can't let you can't let them beat you. They can't have big games. you got to contain the rest of the Grizzlies, as you said, are a very deep team. Um, so they, they definitely have the uh, bench advantage. But I feel like if, as long as Anthony Edwards, you know, can give you 25 a game, Cat can give you 25 a game. Pat Bev can play some solid defense. D'Lo, I think he's a bum, so I don't know how much he's going to be able to give you in the playoffs. Not a D'Lo guy, really? No, I think he's a loser. Um, but I think the series is going to go seven games as well. I think, although the Jazz you know, had a phenomenal regular season, the Timberwolves have been one of the hotter teams in the NBA. Anthony Edwards really coming on. As we said, Cat having a phenomenal year. I think the Timberwolves are obviously a very, very young core. They're going to be a team that's going to be hanging around in the West for if they keep the band together, oh, I agree. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't view Anthony Edwards as the type of person, the type of player that we need. Mm. I think uh, he's going to stay loyal in Minnesota because everyone's saying Cat, but Ant Man's the guy you got to go to. He's the dog. He's the, he's the, he has the keys to the franchise. You need him to be your best player. Um, but I'm really hoping that's a great series because I'm a big fan of his, big fan of Jaws. Grizzlies are a great defensive team. Really, just a great team in general. Great offense, great defense. Who are their? Uh, is it Tyus Jones or Trey Jones? I think it's Tyus Jones. Tyus, yeah. Yeah, guy from Duke. He's a dog. Um, Grizzlies have a good team. I'm going to take Grizzlies in seven in that one. They're, uh, mm. I mean, I just think it comes down to home court advantage. Yeah. But I do think the, the Timberwolves steal game yeah. three. I was, I was shocked by the environment the play-in game was in Minnesota. That oh, was yeah. one of the best NBA environments I've seen in a while. Oh, yeah. Was that, was, the, that building was shaking. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I I'm gonna agree with you guys that this goes the full seven, but I, I like I I'm gonna go I'm gonna live on the edge here. I'm gonna make, pick the Timberwolves to make the upset. I think uh, they've taken home court. Uh, it's now best of five where they have the home court advantage, and uh, I think the um, Grizzlies' inexperience is gonna come uh, back to bite them a little bit. And I think that uh, like Danny said, I think Cat I uh, I think Anthony Edwards is the guy. I think he's gonna play big. He does not. He seems like he has this like just swagger, calm, cool, collective aura around him that you don't see a lot from guys who are younger than we are. Uh, so that is super impressive. And I think Carl Anthony Towns is really gonna step up. Like I, I looked up his numbers from the when they made the playoffs in seventeen eighteen. They weren't good, but uh, he had a monster game one. I think he's gonna build off that, bounce back from his game two performance, and. Uh, it's going to go the full seven because, uh, like Danny mentioned, the Grizzlies are a great defensive team and they're really deep. But I think uh, I think the Timberwolves are going to score this upset. I really do. Uh, 
I think you think gonna, Timberwolves and seven is what I you think, said? Yeah, Timberwolves and seven. I think we're gonna have two seven two upsets in the NBA, which is not hmm. something you really ever see. Yeah. That'd be I mean, that's a that's a I like that pick, Nick. Let's just because I think Timberwolves are, as I said, a good basketball team. But just moving on to the to like Timberwolves' entire playoff outlook, I mean, they're not in this for one and done. They got they can go on a run in the Western Conference. If they're the two seed, and they have to play what? Oh, they have to play the Warriors. I think I think Steph would I think Steph and company would uh, put an end to that one. But uh, it'd give them trouble. Yeah, I'm shocked. I mean, like I know that they have their death lined up, but they're just like. Toying with the Nuggets right now after yeah. two games, like Jokic can't really do anything. I'm that is what really surprised me. Honestly, who do they have on series. Jokic? Do they thought, have Draymond? Draymond. 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 Yeah. Phenomenal. You Great have player. winner, 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 have, winner. I'm shocked Jokic has not been able to use his size more because he's got like four or five inches of height on Draymond Green. And Draymond's got that heart. Okay, <laughs> heart over height, I guess. But Facts, I, Nicholas. Preach. I <laughs> I'm surprised Jokic has not done a little more. Um, People are saying that, like, oh, yeah, this shows, like, why he shouldn't be MVP. I'm like, I think this, like, kind of shows, like, gives you a decent view as to why. Like, when he's not playing out of his mind, the team has no shot. So uh, I think he should repeat as MVP, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm hmm. curious to see if the, seri- the series changes at all as the venue changes back to Denver. But, uh, Spread's the, only one and a half. Or the the Warriors look about as good as any. The Warriors look as good as any team in the NBA right now. Yeah, I mean, took them to win the championship. They're my, they're my title pick. But the Nuggets. Uh, about your Jokic MVP point, I think he's a great player. Probably deserves the MVP, but they just don't really have uh, anyone outside of Jokic. I mean, losing Jamal Murray for. Obviously, what was it? Achilles last year, ACL out for the yeah. season. So, yeah. and really, if if he was in this series with with the Nuggets, I think it would be a different story. story. Yeah, they could win. No, Michael Porter Jr. Games. either, I believe. Yeah. I, I mean, the second, like I like Aaron Gordon, but it's tough for him to be like the second option. Marcus Morris. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Gordon, like they, they just don't have. It. No. I, uh, one thing I do want to see is I want to see them get boogie a couple more minutes. I Marcus think. Morris is on that team. I. Mon. No. Ellis. More, uh, Monte Morris. Morris. He got, Monte Morris. Morris. I was gonna say because he got in a fight with the with them. Boogie did. Yep. No. Yeah. Jokic earlier in the season. Oh no, but I'm saying Boogie was getting in fights with his teammates. Just yeah, the epitome of a winner who's won so much. Boogie. Yeah. yeah. What a phenomenal. Did game. you see his? Like uh, you see his quote about Sacramento? Oh yeah. He's what like, "What they ever do for me other than call my name on draft night? What eh, they, they they drafted you and uh, paid you a hundred million dollars or whatever yeah. the contract is. Yeah. What a what a freaking move. What a bum. Where is it? What team is he on now? Is Nug- he, he's Nuggets. On the Nuggets. He was the one fighting on the side. Yeah, fighting on the. Oh, you're talking about now? Yeah. Or fights and points. Yeah. I I was like, what fight are you referring to? Because yeah. you know, sorry, was, I, sorry, he had no bad. shortage of those. Forgot I ever called him Boogie. Only good players get nicknames. Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that series I think is a wrap. I think Nuggets might be able to get one game, but it'll be. I think Warriors is sweep or Warriors. Is yeah. Uh. A series uh, like I just like looking at the like list here. I'm I'm ready to call the Buck series. I'm ready to call that. I'm ready to call the Heat. I'm not honestly quite ready to call the Sixers yet, just because of how many leads they blew last year in the postseason. I believe were they up two nothing on the Hawks? Because I knew I know they blew a 26 point lead in Game Five last year at home. No, and I do not think. 
Uh, and it looked like they were kind of headed that way in game two before um, Tyrese Maxey stepped in and said that's enough of that comeback. Because the Raptors had like a 15 nothing run in the fourth quarter to make it a little interesting. But I'm not ready to call that one. Um, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to give the Warriors. game five when they blew the 25-point lead? Yeah, 26. It was game five last year. They blew a 26-point lead. They were up 26 points in game five at home to the Hawks, and they blew the lead oh, and lost yeah. the game. Um, hmm. So I'm not quite ready to call that one yet. I'm, we'll see how this uh, game three goes. I'm ready to call. By the way, if you guys disagree, jump in. I'm ready to call the Warriors Nuggets series. I'm actually shockingly not ready to call the Sun series quite yet just because the Devin Booker injury. Um, I think even without Devin Booker, they should still be heavy favorites. But the Pelicans have shown a lot of heart recently, as Danny mentioned at the top of the show. Um, they've been much better since they acquired McCollum. And, uh, I mean, they're missing their best player. They're missing their leading scorer. So anything could happen. I don't think the Suns will implode. Uh, but uh, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I don't think the Hawks, the Heat Hawks series That's is over. done. I, That's I don't think over. it is. I think going going to Atlanta, um, Trey Young at home is, I think, a very dangerous player. And I'm just not – even though they're the one seed and they haven't really – Stumbled throughout the season. I don't. I'm not completely convinced about the Heat, and uh, I think that there's a decent chance that we can be seeing two two when we go back to Miami. You think series. the Hawks are going to win? I'm not saying I think they. He said. He said there's I think a chance. I think he, said, he said there's a chance. I think they they will win at least one. I think they there is a decent chance they win two, and then we're we're two two going back to Miami. So. <sighs> eh. I could see the Hawks splitting at home, and then. Uh. It's tough for me to see them winning back-to-back games. I mean, I'm not the most convinced on the Heat either. I think they're probably like the fourth best team in the conference, uh, fourth or maybe maybe even fifth best team in the conference. But they're significantly better than the Hawks, in my opinion. I, but uh, we'll, we'll see. The Hawks did stumble their way yeah. through this. I mean, Trey Young just absolute monster performance in Game One. Eight points, one of twelve shooting, eight <laughs> percent. Like I couldn't tell if you were going to be serious and say absolute <laughs> monster performance in the second half against the Cavs. Or, <laughs> you know, you guys know I'm not a big Trey Young fan. But yeah. That second half against the Cavs, I mean, yeah, he'll probably go down as the highlight of his career, um, playing game against a great Cavs team. But I mean, he did make the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah, <laughs> but this team, I, I mean, I think, like, the game he got hurt is the best game of the series. Yeah. Um, but I think that series is done for. Heater, a team full of winners, led by veteran winner, the epitome of a winner, Jimmy Buckets. Uh, that's notice how I said Jimmy Buckets and not Butler. About the team, you get a nickname. Um, take notes, James Harden and uh, Demarcus Cousins and Cam Newton. Um, so, I don't mean to go on any rant here, but just yeah, I think I think we should put some closure to the uh, Heat Hawks series. I think it's done for. I think the Heat win, and mm. I think the Hawks can get one game at home, and he close it out at uh, Game Five. Or yeah, Game Five. I will. I will say this: this season, there's like fewer series than normal. Where I'm like, why? Why are you playing this? Like, save everyone time. Skip the four games and let's let's You're move on. There's more, there's more. There's fewer series like that. There's more series where it's like, I like. Normally, the seven-two matchup, the seven seed just gets run over. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's gonna happen to either. Well, that's not gonna happen to the Nets, but I don't think that's gonna happen to the Timberwolves either. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, right now Nets are up thirty-five twenty-nine. So. They tie this up going. I think this year. This I think this is another series that's going seven games. Two good teams. Mm. Celtics are obviously more of a team basketball, defensive yeah. minded team. Mm. When you got the Nets who are more one on one, Kyrie and KD just kind of take us to the promised land. Yeah. But 
They, I think. they do have good role players uh, around them, though. Bruce Brown, Goran Dragic, Seth Curry. Um, you said uh, you said it's going seven. Who are you taking? Uh, I think the home court advantage for the Celtics. You like the Celtics in seven? It's not a bad uh, it's not a, We'll come back to you. I like the Nets in six in this one. Um, I mean, like, Kevin Durant is the best sc- – not the best player. He's the best scorer in the league. He's the best scorer for sure. He can get his shot. He had one of the worst playoff games of his career in game one, and the team lost on a buzzer beater. So, uh, clearly they can hang in there. And I know Kyrie Irving played out of his mind. But um, I, I, th- I think that they're going to scrape together enough defense, especially when Simmons comes back. Um, I mean, Jason Tatum is – like, the Celtics are a great defensive team. For sure, but Jason Tatum to me um, is just not consistent enough on offense yet in his career that I trust them to beat the to be able to outscore the Nets in a seven game series. I like the Nets to win this in six on their home court. God, this is tough because I put a lot of stock in home court advantage. I'm gonna take the Nets actually. And I think they win Game Seven at the TD Garden. And KD goes for like fifth. That's my prediction. Because hmm. I just—I mean, the Celtics have proven nothing since 2008 in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this team has been relatively stagnant, same faces for the past yeah. couple of years now. So it's very easy to root against them, I think. <laughs> but um, I also think that you know what? I'm going to predict Ben Simmons is coming back in Game. Four, and that's going to be the Nets undoing, and they, they <laughs> and Celtics and Celtics and seven. Ben Simmons going back to undoing. Ben Simmons okay. is going to be a liability on the floor, having not seen action in like a, a, forever. An entire year. Yeah. It feels like forever now, yeah. and uh, the chemistry is not going to be there. I, yeah. I mean, that's a valid concern, but the the problem with the Sixers was they needed him to score, and he just couldn't. That's not yeah, needed him to score. Him to score. <laughs> the, 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 if Ben Simmons could score, Ben Simmons does not have to score a point. If he plays in this series, you just got to defend and pass. That's it. Uh, the, you have you have scoring for days on that on that roster. And uh, by the way, Danny Miggy's a two for two right now, so he's only two hits off of three thousand. Oh really? Yeah. Just uh, want to put that out there. I just I'm, my head is just in a weird spot with this day, right? Yeah, mine is too. Right? It's tough to try and do a turn, turn the page, and do a normal show, but. Uh, Got a soldier on. Any uh, any closing notes on the NBA before we move on to baseball? With the season just underway. Let me think. Anything I have to say about the NBA? Uh, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see Devin Booker's injury. Cause yeah. I, I think a big thing is they already rolled him off for game three and game four. If this was game seven of the NBA finals and you're not playing the New Orleans Pelicans, I think he's out. So I don't think the Suns are giving – Pelicans really any respect. And I think they'd rather have him get a few extra days of rest than play against the Pelicans because I think they probably think they can beat them without him. Um, but I think that's got to be one of the major storylines. But also, I, we talked about the Hornets before uh, the Jay Wright thing came out. Oh, my God, what a joke. <laughs> um, they have no leadership on the roster or with their coach. They... I mean, that is so pathetic to hang up the score of the playing game from when you gave up 150 40, points. I think 140, yeah. Just to do it again the <laughs> next year. 
Well, like the Hornets think they're making progress. They think they're going somewhere. They think Lamelo Ball is is really that guy who's going to take them to the promised land. Like, oh my goodness, what a he made a three pointer in the playing game right in front of like the courtside seats, and they were down thirty points, and he turned around to the Hawks fans and started celebrating. That is the epitome <laughs> of a loser. Mm. You cannot win with a player like that. So if I'm a Hornets fan. I'm praying to God that we somehow find a way to trade LaMelo Ball. Um, he's all about himself. He'd rather score 30 and lose than score five and win. Um, I think they have to do everything in their power to get rid of him, and I think that starts with Michael Jordan. He's the you know, partial owner of the team, and maybe I, it seems like he just wants to stay around the game, so I don't think MJ is going to be the one to sell the team, but it's enough talking about an irrelevant team in the Hornets, so that's, I guess he's yeah, yeah that's enough of that. Move on to baseball. All right, so uh, the delayed opening day came and went. We are about 10 or so games, depending on your team, into the young season. And uh, any uh, early storylines that you guys want to hit on? Uh, I know, obviously, 10 games is a teeny tiny sample size, but they all count the same. Yeah, uh, 10 games is very small, obviously. But um, one thing that I kind of want to talk about i guess because i know it best right now is the philadelphia philadelphia phillies do not look good um they were supposed to be honestly a competitor for like the one of the top two spots in the division yep. and now they're just sitting at the absolute toilet uh, they, they, they can't play defense uh there was one game where it was mets at phillies and uh alec bohm over at third base had three errors in like two innings and there was a little famous clip People le- le- reading his lips, and there was speculation that people s- that he said yeah. like I, uh, I, I he, he confirmed. It's not speculation. He confirmed after the game. He said, "I expletive hate this place." That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I know some people were thinking like he said, "I hate this play" or whatever. Yeah. But it, if I mean, if he confirmed it, then that's that. Yeah. But uh, they, it's only been twelve games, and there are some relatively high expectations with that mm-hmm. team. So we can see what happens. And Harper's off to a very slow start too. Yep. So. I mean, I'm not going to try to draw anything too serious out of this. John, you're Metropolitans. Metropolitans. Tied for the best record in the league early on. Yeah, and um, this was a couple days ago, and I saw that at least through their first 10 starts, the Mets starting pitchers' cumulative ERA is the best of any team since ERA became a stat (laughs) in, like, 1910. It was, like, one point. It was under 1.5 as a team, ERA, Mm -hmm. through, through 10 games. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that has obviously carried them. Yeah. The bullpen has already been blowing. Like, the, the losses that we've had, the bull, bullpen has blown it. But right now, um, I think we're down, like, 4 nothing against the Giants. And the Giants are a very good team this yeah. year. So even if you can split the series there, we swept the doubleheader yesterday. Yeah. But I, I'm okay with the start. Yeah. In in 2018, we started 11 and one. So yeah, I was gonna say the problem with the Mets it. is the problem with the Mets has never been April baseball. No, it's usually uh, August baseball, which eliminates October baseball. But uh, I really like the Buck Showalter hire. Now that I've had time to think mm-hmm. about it, I think he gives the team an edge, like a toughness that they've been missing. Yeah, he seems like the first actual leader that we've had yeah. since Terry Collins, who took us to the World Series yeah. in 2015. I mean, they almost like they almost killed the Nationals. Almost killed Pete Alonso. Like that was <laughs> that scary. That and then true. they hit Lindor in the head, and he was uh, none too thrilled. I, I I mean, Buck's getting up there in age, but he looked he looked ready to throw down. Um, the starting pitching, as expected, is going to be the strength of the team. And the question is, can can the bullpen protect the leads, and can the offense score enough runs to give them leads? Yeah, but this. This year, compared to like 2018, when we started 11 and one, I'm 
I'm more optimistic about this year just because we're not even at full strength right now. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, we by have, the way. We have the Jake, yeah, we have the best pitcher in the game right now who's going to be out for two months, and then he's going to come back. And if Scherzer manages to stay healthy, knock on wood, like any other superstition that it could yeah. do to not will an injury into existence because it's the Mets. It's just bound to happen because it's the Mets and Mets starting pitchers. But, I mean, the DeGrom-Scherzer 1-2 combination is – going to be one of the best one-twos that we've seen in a very long ever, time. Yeah. Maybe ever, yeah. One of the best. Prob- one probably of the best top ten ever. ever. So that is going to be very good to watch. And it's all, like you said, Nick, a matter of kind of being able to hold on to what we've done so far, which is no guarantee with the Mets. It's uh, the top of the hour, so before we continue our discussion, it's time for a station ID. Villanova University's WXVU Villanova. Visit our all-new website at WXVU.org. We're on air serving the main line at 89.1 on your FM dial, or stream us anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. All right, we're back. Um, one team that I want to talk about, but I, I don't know how this is, if this is possible, but people... Like, I don't know if people understand how good this Dodger team is. I, they're nine and three to start the year, which is tied with the Mets for the best record in the league. But eight and three, I think. I think Unless this they, isn't updated. I think they won today. No, if they won today, I don't I think this would be updated. I think it's up. They're nine and three. Nine and three. Um, they're in a good division. They're nine and three. Uh, they took. They won 106 games last year. Lost in the ALCS. Lost in the NLCS, and took the best player that was playing. From the team that beat them. Acuna, I think, is a little better than Freeman. It's close. But Fre- Acuna wasn't playing. Freeman was certainly the best player playing for the Braves. They have... I don't even know how many former MVPs in their lineup. Let's see. They, they, have, have, they have at least three. They have, th- they have Bellinger, Freeman, and Betts. Kershaw was an MVP. Kershaw, too. yeah. <laughs> Kershaw, so. former MVP. I, they lost Pujols when he was there. Like, Yeah, but that wouldn't have counted. Yeah. That's been a little bit... It's been a good amount of time since he was MVP. Well, he actually... He was... Really good as a pinch hitter last year for them. His OPS against lefties, I think, it was nine hundred. So mm. uh, he's been he's been good. He's been good with the, for the Cardinals since he went back there. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, they're rolling out a starting line. When you're rolling out a starting lineup of Freeman, Gavin Lux, this isn't in order. This is by position. Freeman, Gavin Lux, turn uh, the Turners on, on the left side of the infield. Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, and Cody Bellinger. Uh, that is one of the best. I'm going to go as far as to say that is the second best lineup in the 21st century, trailing only the 116 win Mariners. Um, that is as good of a lineup as I can remember ever watching. And, oh, by the way, they have uh, Clayton Kershaw. He's he's doing pretty good. Uh, he had a perfect game through seven innings the other day, He's but he's completely washed up. Walker Bueller, uh, the new ace of the staff, and... Um, just yeah, Trevor Bauer. Should that whole situation get cleared up, he's still on the roster. He's still on the team. He's still Julio bad. Arias, Arias as well. Great point. And uh, yeah, I think th- I really think the only weak and they have a really good bullpen too. I really think their only weakness is their closer, Craig Kimbrell. I do not <laughs> trust him. I, I especially in the postseason, I do not trust him. Uh, he wasn't that great with the White Sox after they acquired him last year. And um, the Red Sox. I still don't un- that the the Red Sox 2018 team, their closer disappeared, and their M- the MVP of the regular season disappeared for that entire postseason, and they still cruised their way to a World Series. That does not get discussed enough. 
Uh, the starting pitching and the rest of the bullpen really stepped up, and the offense scored a bunch of runs. But their MVP, the league MVP, and their closer, and the close going into the postseason, it was the Red Sox have dominant starting pitching, a lineup that's going to score a bajillion runs, and a great closer. Can the bullpen up to the closer hold up? Well, the bullpen leading up to the closer was the part of the bullpen that held up. The closer didn't hold up so much. But uh, it was <laughs> – I still can't believe it was uh, – like they brought out Chris Sale to close their own series because they just they didn't trust him. They just did not trust him. So um, yeah, I don't trust Kimbrel, but the Dodgers have one of the best teams on paper that we've seen in a really really long time. Let's see how it plays out over the course of the season. But they are you don't you don't really get super teams in baseball, but this is about as close as you're gonna get. Yeah, I don't know what much more you could do to build a more of a super team than this. Like under. Like the laws of the United States, <laughs> <laughs> not even the, like MLB. But their payroll's <laughs> got to be about three hundred million, right? Um, yeah, but that's never stopped them in the past. Like the luxury tax is tax is honestly a little bit of a little bit of a joke. Like it seems like teams every year can kind of like the Dodgers, the Yankees, even the Mets now with Steve. Two eighty eight, sorry. Can go over that luxury tax cap and be like, okay, and then you know, don't think of it as that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Not saying that a salary cap should ever be implemented in Major League Baseball, but because that's like one facet that makes it a little bit unique. Yeah, I really think the problem would be solved with a salary floor. Like you got to pay. You just you, like I mean, like you have teams that like Garrett Cole or like what's the high the highest AAV guys Scherzer Cole, um, the other the position players with the highest AAVs are escaping me. They're gonna make more than some teams. Some teams' payrolls, like the Orioles, the Orioles, the the Pirates, the Guardians, and the um, A's. They're paying nobody. They're not paying anyone any money. Uh, I I think if you force them, you got to spend this much. It would make the league more competitive and uh, better. Well, as contracts. long as that doesn't lead to another lockout, yeah. <laughs> that discussion. I think that would. I think if they implemented that, that would have avoided a lot of the problems with the lockout because yeah, the big no, problem with the lockout was true. free agents weren't getting paid. If you force teams to spend money, free agents are gonna start getting paid more. So. Uh, anyway, that's how, that's neither here nor there. Um, and just uh, early on in the season, as expected, the AL East is an absolute dogfight. Um, every t- uh, the the four relevant teams uh, all have six wins. Um, the Rays are six and six. The other three are six and five. So uh, that one, um, obviously, again, you're not even ten percent of the way through the season. Yep. But uh, that's that's going to come down the wire. Uh, that is. I can't believe that those, the, the, those four teams are all in the division with each other. And uh, just uh, the uh, Cleveland Guardians, uh, early in the season, this is a weird team. <laughs> they've played some weird games. I think they have uh, like two or three games where they've scored above 10. Yeah. Uh, Their run differential is, is yeah. third in the league right yeah. now. Yeah. First in the American League mm-hmm. at plus 21. Yeah. They've played four games. They have... They start the season scoring one run against the Royals. They get shut out the next game. And then they score 17, 10, 10, 7. And then they go get swept by the Giants, score four runs in the three games. And then they uh, put up 11 on the White Sox today. The, I mean, the five errors helped them, but, you know, put up 11 on, <laughs> put up 11 on a yeah. team with pretty good pitching. How are you feeling about your Detroit Tigers prediction early on in the uh, season here? We are, we are hurting here early a little bit. But uh, very early, and they've uh, they've been playing some. They played some good teams. Um, they had three against. They had six against the the two Sox teams. Three against uh, White. Three against Red. And uh, they have a three game series currently against the Yankees. So they're playing some solid teams, and uh, they haven't really had. Also, oh, the White Sox weren't a good team. I 
I didn't say they weren't. <laughs> I, did. I didn't say they weren't a great. I didn't say they weren't a good team. I said they weren't a great team. I said don't be fooled. They're not a top. I said don't be fooled. They're not a top five team in the American League. Okay. They're still solid. They're not terrible. Like they're not. They're not the Royals. They're not. I've said they're not a good team many times, but uh, um, it's an argument for a different time. They're not. Let's look at the. the I mean, the rest of the month. The, you got the Tigers, the the Rockies, the Twins. They're they're not them. <laughs> But at the same time, not the Yankees or the Red Sox either. Um, so I think a lot of time turning around. The starting pitching has not been great so far. At, and if you watched the game against the Yankees yesterday, the defense really, uh, really uh, was the not the pop up. Yeah, uh, defense was not uh, the best there. But I think there's plenty of time turning around. Young team with a good manager. You expect them to get better as the season progresses. Hmm. So I, I still feel pretty good about that. The White Sox have started a little better than I expected, but I think there's plenty of time for the Tigers to make that prediction. Erod, though, Eduardo Rodriguez has got to pitch better. Uh, he's the leader of that staff. He's the veteran guy. Uh, he has to go out there and uh, win some games for the Tigers, which he has yet to do and is not doing right now. He's pitching currently against the Yankees, and the Tigers are down 2-1. to one. Speaking of pitching, one thing I wanted to get your opinion on here early in the season is uh, Garrett Cole's performance through the past. I mean. The first. Uh, has he made two starts? Two, three. Three starts now? And he's, I think he's sitting at a whopping 6.5, something like, something that. like so that. It's over 6. I know that. Um, Going 1.2 against the Tigers the other day and walking five batters. Yeah. That that was a weird game, first of all. like you, The first inning lasted forever, uh, the bottom of the first. And then, I'm sorry, the top of the first lasted forever. He came out, he looked pretty good in the bottom of the first. He had three strikeouts. Top of the second also lasts about a year because the Tigers pitchers like hand like I, I I the pitcher threw the ball five feet like I I've never seen anything like it he literally he stood them out threw the ball straight down they took him out of the game Cole was like warming up but like he was throwing pitches to Gashioka outside the dugout in the middle of the inning while the reliever was taking his warmer pitches but uh, yeah the problem so far with him I think is twofold he hasn't had the out pitch working he's but getting, he's been able to get ahead sometimes. Sometimes he's been falling behind. His command has been an issue, too. But a lot of these walks are, I get ahead, I foul off, the uh, hitter fouls off pitches that are normally strikeout, that like have been historically rare call strikeout pitches, and then I try and nibble on the corner, miss, miss, and then it's a walk. So he's, and that's the second facet. He's trying to, he's... When you aim small, you miss big. You want to aim big, miss small. And he has been aiming small, missing big. And that's, I think, been a lot of what's causing him trouble so far. Uh, and that, and just not being, having the same overpowering fastball that we're used to in the same wipeout slider. Um, but that is, it's, it's, start, it's only three starts. But I'm starting to get a little concerned, especially with how he finished the year last year. Um, with that said, every other, every pitcher on the Yankees except Garrett Cole has been phenomenal. Um, Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez. He threw awesome. an immaculate inning. He threw an immaculate inning. He had 12 strikeouts in five yep. innings. He's mm -hmm. uh, he's awesome. He's uh, he's all guile, all moxie, all trickery. I mean, everyone throws 100 these days in the big leagues. He's, he's going to top out 94, but he's going to show you th four different arm angles and like all these different yeah, breaking balls. It's like he went to the Johnny Cueto school yeah. of pitching, just like yeah. throwing the ball differently each time you throw it, just Got, to throw yeah. the batter off. I'm going to speed you up with effective. my delivery. I'm going to slow you down. Just guile yeah. and moxie. And That's almost like... Uh, it's like the delivery equivalent of a knuckleball. Yeah. Like you, you don't really know what's coming. Like you know, uh, you kind of know like what pitches the dude has, but you don't know like how he's gonna throw it, and then that can throw a hitter off. Especially, I'm, like people don't know how hard it is to hit 92. Even like that's you have, 
a fraction of a second to decide if you're going to swing at a ball. Yeah, so. That is true, but there's not a competent big league hitter that's going to be overpowered by 92. That is true. Uh, so he's doing it, like I said, Guile Moxie. Yeah, but the point I was making there was yeah. that um, like you, when you're up there, you're looking for as much yeah. consistency it's as you true. can get. It's true. So and like if even RM, or like the slot that you're throwing the ball at yeah, changes. Yeah, absolutely. Whole the arm slot. Pitch. And like he's like he's taking – when he throws a changeup, he takes a lot off. So yeah. the difference between the changeup and the fastball looks plays faster. And they talk about how – his delivery makes his velocity play up. So he's been awesome. The Yankee bullpen can't can't say enough good things about them either. Uh, with the possible sep- exception of Aroldis Chapman having uh, two mini meltdowns, but uh, even the game where he walked in the winning run, people are like talking about that. Like, oh yeah, like I mean, obviously yes, that's bad. But you scored one run in eleven innings against the Orioles. You don't deserve to win. I'm not going to blame <laughs> the pitching at all when you score one run in eleven innings against the Orioles and. Especially in extra ratings when they're basically they're giving you a runner on second. That's giving you a run. You got to score. If they're giving you a runner on second base to start, they're they're saying take a run. It's can you score two? But uh, my lord, uh, yeah, can't. Uh, as much as you can't say enough good things about the majority of the Yankee pitch, you can't say enough bad things about the majority of the lineup. Um, hmm. I can't. I don't understand what's going on with Joey Gallo. Um, I think you'd Wasn't be there. Ba- a shot of him in the dugout. The other game, and yeah. he just looked like a broken man. He really did. Um, <laughs> That's sad. I would rather send up Aaron Judge with a blindfold um, than Kyle Higashioka. Uh, Isaiah Keener Falefa has shown some life recently, but early in the season he wasn't really hitting. Josh Donaldson hasn't been hitting. Labor Torres hasn't been hitting. I got to give credit to Aaron Hicks and DJ LeMayhew so far, having bounce back seasons early. Uh, Rizzo's been good. Stanton's been good. Judge has been good, but not great. Uh, not in himself. So. I mean, Aaron Hicks is really the only guy. Aaron Hicks and LeMahieu have been like the guys. Who, like, yes, you are performing at above expectations, but no one else is really crushing expectations. Stan was um, white hot in the first few games of the season, but he's cooled off a little bit. So, uh, got just got to score runs, got to figure it out. Like, I, I think it's a matter of time before Jose Trevino takes Kyle Higashioka's job. I mean, like, uh, the the stats were popping up while I was watching the game, and it said two forty six. I was like, okay, um, that seems a little high for his batting average with how I've seen him play. Uh, and it was because that was his batting average. It was his OPS, <laughs> not his uh, not his on base, not his slugging. It was his OPS. Um, for our fans at home, I think a major league average OPS is normally about six fifty, and he's sitting at a, a cool two forty six. Uh, that uh, like, I mean, I know Gary Sanchez was complete liability defensively, but he could at least hit a little bit. Uh, just it's tough to watch. So. Uh, yeah, and the last, uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to add about baseball, we want to talk about the NFL draft for the last 10 minutes. We only got, it's uh, coming up next Thursday. Yeah, his o- Higashios' OPS Plus, which I, which is a stat I like because it like, it's norm to 100. Can I take a guess? So, like, one, yeah, so let's say if, just to explain to the viewers at home, an OPS of 100 is the league average. So, if you have OPS a OPS Plus of 100. OPS Plus, yeah. So, if you have a 105, you're 5% Percent better above. than the yeah. average player. Yeah. Take so a guess. I'm going to guess 35. Negative twenty nine. <laughs> oh I don't know if I've ever seen a negative OPS plus before, but he has a negative twenty nine. It like OPS breaks plus. the stat. Yeah, so no, the stat doesn't work anymore. Like it's him. like he's, I I can't even conceptualize that. Cause no, if, I can't. I can't if, make sense. If, of if it. it was fifty percent, he'd be half as good. If it was one, he would be one hundredth. He's infinitely worse according to OPS plus. He's infinitely worse than the average major league hitter because it's negative. Yeah, uh-huh. that is wow. Okay, um, a league of his own. A league of his own. <laughs> NFL draft coming up. Um, there's still some speculation, still not completely clear who the number one overall pick is going to be. A lot of signs, a lot of signs pointing to Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end out of Michigan. 
but it's not entirely clear what the Jags are going to do. We've seen some mock. I've seen some mock drafts where they take an alignment uh, personally, but uh, Danny, the Lions have the number two pick. Uh, let's say, uh, let's say for whatever reason you would be. Uh, let's throw out what the Jags are going to be doing for a second. Who do you want? Who who is like I, I want Hutchinson. You want Hutchinson? So I want the Jags to take Trevon Walker from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen some mock drafts with them taking that lineman from NC State, but they franchise tagged Cam Robinson, who I, who's their left tackle earlier on in the offseason, so I, I doubt that they would go uh, the offensive line route. So unfortunately, I think they're going to go defense, and ultimately, I think they're going to take Hutchinson, which is a bummer. But so that leaves the Lions with this. Is, I feel like this draft more so than once in the past. Like everything's on. Yep. Like, no one knows who the number one pick is going to be, but especially two. Lions have so many needs. They could go. I mean, the past two months, I've seen quarterback Malik Willis. I've seen safety Kyle Hamilton. I've seen D lineman Hutchinson, Walker, yeah. and Thibodeau. I've seen trade back. Yep. So, I've seen Kyle Hamilton go as high as two and as low as like fourteen. Yeah. Like it's. it's I'm just for any of the listeners out there that are buying that are that are uh, paying attention to. Kyle Hamilton's 40-yard dash time and dropping him in your mock drafts, you are a freaking moron. He is going to be an all-pro for the next decade. If the Lions could somehow get their hands on him uh, north of, like, the seventh pick, they trade back, I will be ecstatic. I will skip around this campus uh, wearing my Lions jersey screaming. Um, I want to get my hands on Hamilton, but ultimately I think the D-line is a a bigger need right now for the Lions, so I do want them to uh, take an edge rusher. A lot of people have been saying that Thibodeau from Oregon doesn't isn't committed to football, and he has some off the field, uh, you know, motivation problems. I don't know how much stock I'm putting in that. So, I mean, I feel like there's rumors mm. about that kind of stuff every, every year. year. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like Hutchinson is a surefire, yeah. solid player. He doesn't have the highest upside of the three of Walker Hutchinson and um, Thibodeau, but I feel he's like a higher he's, floor. Yeah, he's a higher floor. So I would feel very comfortable, even though I hate Michigan. I would feel very comfortable with the Lions taking him second overall pick, uh, staying home. This draft should be very exciting. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you like you've seen? You, when was the last time you saw mock drafts on a quarterback in the top ten? Yeah. Like, I mean, Except, I, I mean, the Panthers could. And I think there's a good chance Panthers do at six. What about Falcons? That too. I what, think Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are going to go in the top. I feel like every year, though, I will say this: I feel like every year, like the mock drafts talk about, like, oh, this could be the year where a quarterback, like, where the quarterback slide, and then every year in like the le- weeks leading up, like the quarterbacks. Shoot up the boards, but this year even more so than normal, they've started very low. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when Baker was taken first overall, like a day or two prior, to that was uh, yeah, the Browns. He was, he was not the favorite for the number one pick. I don't know if he wasn't the favorite, but it was not set in stone until I think day of. I think it like broke it like a few hours before the draft. They're like, yeah, they're going Baker. The people were like, yeah, we're like the Browns are being secret about this for absolutely no reason, but. uh yeah, the Jets. The Jets have two top ten picks as well, right, John? Yeah, the Jets have the number four and the number ten. But in this off season, they've been they've made it clear that they've been trying to get just a top wide receiver somehow. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be very surprised if they traded away um, the tenth pick to try to get a wide receiver from someone, um, which is an option. Or they can even keep the ten and and uh, take a wide receiver with that pick. But mm-hmm. uh, it's I mean this. 10 is just, like, too far to even, like, con- like predict at this point just because we don't know. Mm. Like, the the, the front uh, – like, the, the top 10 picks are just uh, very up in the air, yeah. obviously, yeah. I and mean, we've been talking about it. But for the Jets at four, I could see them 
taking uh well if Thibodeau uh if he like falls all the way down to four, which uh could happen, I could see him taking them him. Mm-hmm. Uh Kyle Hamilton, the safety is an option, but uh it's it's hard to tell right now. Yeah. There also mean, also are some injury concerns for Hamilton because yeah. he could hurt uh about halfway through an ordinary season last year. Yeah. What a yeah. comeback if they made the playoffs. So it wasn't a major injury, but yeah. Um First time he's ever missed a game in ND, I wouldn't put any stock in it. I mean, you do have some good wide receivers in this class oh, for the studs. Jets. Garrett yeah. Wilson from OSU, Ga- 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 yeah. I, I, I know um, Willi- uh, Jameson Williams oh, yeah. got – I know he got hurt in the national championship game, but he was uh, he was a monster before that injury. And uh, yeah. my Giants have picks five and seven. They, need a lineman. They have needs. I was just going to say, um, if you can name a position on the football <laughs> field, they probably need someone <laughs> to play that position. Uh, I would be very surprised if they don't use at least one pick on an offensive lineman. I would very much enjoy Evan Neal sliding the five. I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, Akeem Kwonu from NC State is a- will also be a-, a solid pick there, but I-, I really want Neal. And then with their second pick, uh, there's a number of ways they can go with this. Uh, they're not going to take a wide receiver just because they have the highest paid wide receiver room in the NFL, which does not make sense. Um I like that's difficult for me to conceptualize when you think about the disparity between talent and uh, the talent disparity between every other NFL team in the Giants wide receiver room. So um, I don't think they'll take a receiver. I wouldn't. I I would. I would not mind Kyle Hamilton pick there. I saw him play a lot at Notre Dame with Daniel and was impressed. Would not mind a Sauce Gardner pick there at all. Uh, the lockdown corner from Cincinnati. Uh, who did not allow a touchdown as a, the primary defender during his college career. So I, I would assume it's going to be one offense, one defense pick, but uh, if they go two linemen, that wouldn't shock me either. But um, like like everyone's saying, they like, like I said, the Giants, if you could just pick, it, just point a position, uh, think of an NFL position, uh, the Giants could uh, use an upgrade at that position. <laughs> I think. Wait. So the Giants got the seventh pick from the Eagles trade. Uh, from no, no, the Bears. They, oh, for to get Fields. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like the position the Giants are in. I feel like you you gotta you gotta hit it out of the park though with these two. Top yeah, you teams. do. But I feel confident that Dave Gettleman is not going to be the one making these selections. Who is our GM now? Uh, it's the the Bills guy. I forget the Bills AGM. The Bills probably have the best front office in the NFL. Yeah. So coming from Buffalo, I would feel yeah. confident. But just overall. I feel like Joe Shine. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Shone Shine. This draft I'm more excited for. I mean, maybe just because the Lions are the second pick, but I I can't wait for next Thursday. I think I uh, as much as I want to get Hutchinson, I really do think he's going to go first overall. So the draft really does start at two. And as a diehard Lions fan who checks their numerous websites every single day, 365 days a year, I cannot tell you where. I obviously want Hutchinson. Second, I would want uh, Walker from Georgia. And then third is a trade back to get Hamilton. Because keep paying attention to his 40-yard 40, 40 dash time. Keep paying attention to his poor combine because he's not going to be a good NFL player. He's not going to amount to anything. <laughs> LOL, meanwhile, he's going to be an all-pro for the next 10 years. <laughs> so I want Hamilton. Uh, if Lions can get him, trade back and get him, I, I would be ecstatic. Nicholas, as a Giants fan, that seventh overall pick, if he's still there, I would be all over that. Mm-hmm. You want an yeah. all-pro who can be a safety, corner, linebacker, yeah. who's a freaking nature. I mean, they, they could definitely use help at safety. They're, 
their corners were actually not terrible last year, but uh, Bradbury really regressed, and um, you, they're getting up there in age too. So, uh, looking at a mock draft right now, John, that has the J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets taking KB. Uh, Thibodeau. Thibodeau, the CBS mm-hmm. one. That's what I'm looking at, Danny. Yeah. J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. What are your big needs? Are you? I mean, Zach Wilson. Is he, he's the future. Zach Wilson is the future. For now, uh, he's coming into a big year this next year, obviously, uh, sophomore season. But uh, I don't think Kyle, like I think Kyle Hamilton could be reasonable at the safety position. Um, we've got Marcus May, but uh, it's kind of been iffy around there. They just kind of need a solid guy to lock him down. Mm. But it, you know, you can always do with another ed- edge rusher. So I wouldn't be unhappy with it. Yeah. Barring uh, any off the yeah. field stuff, which we hear about in every single draft, so yep. you can't take yeah. that too uh, seriously. Uh, in the NFL.com mock draft, the most realistic mock draft I have ever seen in my entire life right here. They have the Giants taking Charles Cross, the Mississippi State offensive tackle, uh, <laughs> once again with uh, Evan Neal on the board. Uh, so once again, the, even in the simulation, the Giants uh, draft the wrong <laughs> offensive lineman. Uh, so they do have taking Sauce seventh, though. I, I, would, I would be happy about that. But, uh, yeah, I just – I'm going to be haunted by that Tristan Wirfs not pick for a very long time. And Andrew Thomas played a lot better this year. He got a lot better in the second year. But Tristan Wirfs was incredible from day one in Tampa Bay for for TB12 there. What pick did they they pass on him? What year was that? Um, That was the 2000. Brady's first year was when they drafted. Yeah, yeah, Brady's first year. So so. what pick did the? It was fourth. The Giants took um, Andrew Thomas. From? Georgia. Georgia? Yeah. And he's with him. All pro left tackle. Uh, wow. Pain. <laughs> um, well, yeah. As we said, this year's draft is uh, pretty much wide open. Um, I'm very excited for next Thursday. I'm interested to see where a team like the Steelers go because are they attached to Trubisky? Is he, I mean, is he I, their guy? or I, I think the plan was Dwayne Haskins before his tragic passing a few weeks ago. So I have no idea what their plans the are going to be. Vikings, Kirk Cousins, their guy, long term. Mm. Um, the Saints, Jameis, I think that was a two year deal. That's Jameis, that, Jameis is their guy. Jam- yeah. Jameis staying in the playoffs this year. You've all been forewarned. The Packers, I mean, what's the, I guess, I don't know how to say that. What's that, a four year deal? But um, mm. Cardinals, are they really happy? It seems like. There's no way. There is no way on God's green earth that the Packers select another quarterback after the Jordan Love fiasco. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about Jordan Love. Fresh new deal. The in Titans there. are they set on Ryan Tannehill? The Bucks, Brady. That you don't know what you have there. There's a lot of teams that I feel like could go the quarterback. Lions, um, Giants. I mean, is Danny Dimes the guy, Nicholas? I mean, the, John Mara has expressed confidence in him, and he said we've done. Every, he, John Mara said we have done everything possible. To mess this kid up, which is a pretty true statement, honestly. Wow, uh, that's a very humble thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> we have done everything possible to mess this kid up. Uh, so, I mean, I really don't think he's had. A, I know he's had three years, but has he really had a fighting chance? Except not stri- really. <laughs> like not really. No. So hey, he never got to throw to Odell, did he? No. No. Odell who, was, was who was the best? Is Galladay the? I mean, Galladay had zero touchdowns. Uh, the, I mean, Sterling Shepard, is he the best receiver? He's yes, either Sterling Shepard or Galladay, probably. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking about this the other day, just in terms of you know best teams in the NFL and true Super Bowl teams. I know we're focused on the draft, but I am mo- the more I think about it, I get higher and higher and higher on the Denver Broncos with 
Russell Wilson. Yep. They are going to be nasty. I agree. The more I think about it, too. I know I picked I picked the Chiefs to win their division uh, last time we talked about this, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I could be persuaded. Yeah, I do not think by any stretch that the people should just consider that the Chiefs are a lock. To win. Well, I, I'm not a lock, but I'm saying. I think it's up for debate who, who the favorite should be. I get it. They have Mahomes. But they also just lost Tyreek Hill. They did. Don't have Tyron Ty- Ty- Matthews. They did. currently not on an NFL roster, mm-hmm. which I don't understand how that is possible. Why Brett Holmes didn't hit pick up the phone. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the Broncos. Great defense. They just got to show up that O-line, solid O-line. Um, you know, Javante Williams from Carolina. Russell Wilson. You got, I mean, their receiver room with Judy and um, what's the guy's name from SMU? Cortland Sutton. And then didn't they draft K.J. Hamler from Penn State? Or is that? I think they did. Yeah. I, think, I believe I think so. You're correct. So they got a nice receiving core. I know they had to give up Noah Fant in that trade with uh, in that the trade with Seattle, the plus three lock. But um, I like the Broncos' outlook for next year. Um, but we probably should be wrapping up because it's day thirty. Yeah, it is. I was just I was letting you talk about the Broncos there. But we are out of time. Um, we will be back right here next Wednesday, uh, the night on the eve of the NFL draft, and uh, probably talk about some NBA playoffs wrapping up and. Uh, yeah, good talk about the hockey playoffs there too. Back starting Blue in May. Shirts. Let's go, uh, let's go, Rangers. Rangers. I, I'm glad you're hopping on the bandwagon, Danny. <laughs> uh, so for Danny, for John, this is Nick. Game time sports, where it's always game time. We'll see you right here next week.